Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Each week we try and bring you insights into the professional video industry. This week we're going to look at standard definition. This came from a blog post article of a friend of mine, Chris Barr at DVD. And he he raised it as a show topic and I thought it was a wonderful one. Standard definition, why is it still around now that we've moved into 4K, 5K, 6K filming and delivery in HD and now 4K across multiple different outlets? Why is standard definition still a format that's being delivered and consumed? Okay, we're going to get into this with Chris Barr himself. We also invited Dean Cudmore from AdStream. And he's somebody that I've respected in the industry for a number of years and helps me in my professional work delivering the content that we create. So Dean, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Pleasure Blair, thank you for having me here. And Chris, thank you too for coming on the show. Not a problem, thanks mate. I'll just ask you both, just take a couple of minutes to explain your roles and how you fit in the professional video and film industries. Dean. Uh, yeah, um, I'm the commercial manager for AdStream, and we're a, a global organisation uh, that manages the the distribution of primarily advertising content uh, to uh, media owners. Now, whether that be uh, broadcasters, uh, radio stations, and and print, um, but uh, going forwards, we're uh, we've developed a platform that is upstream that is more to do with the collaboration of cre- creation of content, um, and specifically, of course, by dealing with the television commercial market uh, to where then we've had to face and, and look at the whole transition from SD to HD and the consideration of, of 4K. So that's where we fit into the, into the mix. Chris, mate, you wrote the blog post, so we'll get into that shortly, but just um, refresh listeners because you've been on the show before, but just refresh the listeners of how you fit in. Yeah, so name's Chris. Um, I come from a company called uh, Digital Video Technologies, uh, also known as DVT. We are a reseller in the, I guess, the film and television market where we, are, we cross a range of uh, areas, everything from the weddingographers to the enthusiasts through to the documentary makers and filmmakers. Um, and we supply and sell and advise on equipment required to create, you know, to create that content and sort of become you know, the voice of like a trusted advisor for our customers, really. Do you mind, Chris, just sort of outlining what the blog post is? And we'll have a link in the show notes for the listeners so okay. they can read through it. Look, um, I uh, created this topic mainly for the fact that um, I'm a mate. Okay, my, my girl is, is part of a dance school and they basically produce content every year for the end of year production. One of their models was to sell DVDs at the end of this. Now, I'll pay attention, of course, to the people that are coming in with the equipment they've got, and they've all got high-definition cameras. So they shoot everything in high-definition to then down-convert this content to standard definition on a DVD, because that's, that's the resolution that can fit on a DVD. To then put that onto my 4K TV or even HD TV at home, and that, that particular device will end up scaling it up. Now, the end result was soft, smudgy-looking images, that looked nothing like it was originally when it was captured in the high definition or even 4K camera. So the question was, why are we shooting at HD to deliver SD to only have it look like, you know, poop? And you've got mums and dads basically spending their hard-earned money on a product that's, in my opinion, inferior. 
We've got technologies in TVs that allow us to play off USB sticks. Uh, we've all, the alternative option actually is obviously even Blu-ray if, as a tactile method, but even that direction I don't believe is the right way forward. The way that I watch my kids now consume content is not by getting DVDs or Blu-ray discs out. It's actually watching content on demand. And if they knew where to go to get that content, my kids are more than capable of, I'm 100% sure, doing that. So the question is, why are we still shooting HD to deliver SD? Now, I know there are business models for the people that are producing this content where they get contracted to come in and shoot this content for an organization. Now, there's two parts of this. So the people that are contracting the work might say, well, we'll want to do DVD sales and the money that we um, sell them for, the profit we make, we'll obviously pocket that. The other model is... Uh, the people that are contracting them, they don't have enough money, so they say, well, we'll, we'll um, subsidise the actual cost of the actual production, but we get all the profit from those DVD sales. Questions that have been raised there. I think that that's one end of the market, but even at the other end, which is something that I'm very familiar with, is advertising. When I came into the industry, high definition was a format that was coming to fruition, was actually being used in production, uh, distribution not so much in broadcast and so it's taken quite a long time but Dean I think that you could probably answer to this standard definition is still very much um, a popular distribution format for commercials and broadcast look it, it is I mean certainly we've observed the the, the transition I won't say it's been an, a, a revolution but a more of a gentle evolution uh, took towards uh, HD increasingly so as a, as a provider, so we distribute content to the broadcasters uh, here, here in New Zealand, Australia, in fact, and, and globally. But New Zealand has, has actually kind of leads the way in terms of uh, observable, what we would call split, the amount of proportion that is, in, uh, that is HD. Of course, it's entirely driven by the, uh, the amount of broadcasters that are not just airing their content in, in TV, but then also supports the ingestion um, for their commercial content as well and they, they one has to follow the other of course they have to broadcast and actually first and then and then follow suit so um, we, we're currently for example we're, we're seeing about 65 uh, percent uh, of our content by unique uh, key numbers if you like individual spots um, is actually now traveling uh, through as HD and 35 percent uh, remaining and, and that's been you know we saw a sort of a shift when we finally saw the changeover which was an August uh, 2015, that's the first point that we saw the flip where more HD, that was a 50-50 marker, where 51% moved to, to HD from, from, from SD. Now that's not um, necessarily so the amount of proportion of advertising that is on, on TV, but just the individual spots. As Blair mentioned, there is a good number of broadcasters that are still only supporting SD, um, but we've had good news on that front of late. For example, um, as I said, it's, it's driven by the broadcaster's own capacity and the bandwidth that they that they offer through their uh, broadcast signal. And Māori TV uh, recently um, actually went HD. This week, uh, commercially, began uh, delivering to them in, in HD. So we, we're expecting that transition to, to continue, just as we saw when we launched with uh, MediaWorks and, and TV3 as the first broadcasters supporting HD, and TVNZ was very hot on the heels within a month or so. Um, but um, Sky um, came along uh, somewhat later. In fact, it was only um, December of 2015 uh, that we saw them finally um, actually transition over. So we saw that spike 
in January and February of 2016, where sort of the numbers started to move up towards that percentage I quoted, around um, 70 30. So that's about where it, where it currently sits. But your point is, is, is 100% valid, Chris, and, and as Blair is alluding to, that industry, the advertising industry, has been producing and posting in, in, in HD since, well, 10 years plus. Um, but it was then they were down converting, downsampling to SD because of the requirements of the, of the broadcasters and the, and the signal that, they, that they, they were offering. Now, we understand, of course, particularly if it's satellite-driven because you've got literally satellite um, bandwidth that it was, was purchasing, but even terrestrially, um, you know, with, with free-to-air, free-TV sort of offering HD on, on the terrestrial signal, then that's actually when the things really started to, to kick off. So that's what we're seeing as an observable uh, trend, and I, I think we're going to continue a little bit more now that Māori TV has 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 also moved, and um, there's another couple of key players that are still looking at it. But for them, it's an investment in their technology as well as their signal, um, and not not an insignificant one. And Sky, of course, a very large organisation, and, and, and rebroadcasts a lot of other content. It was a far harder task for them to move than the likes of MediaWorks um, or. Um, or, or TVNZ. It's a very interesting one where we're talking about uh, New Zealand-based broadcasters, but I'm sure this is something that's been experienced um, across the globe, where these large broadcast infrastructures, they need to get revenue back off their investments. So the large amount of investment and in infrastructure and also literally, really, the bandwidth of broadcasting these signals through traditional ways has meant that really postponed the advancements of this. And in my view, things are going to really shift when it's just purely about online delivery. Yeah, totally. I agree. I think, I mean, that's the future. Uh, like my kids right now, if I look in the last week when I get home and I, I see them, nine times out of ten, it's on some kind of streaming program that they've got of YouTube, Netflix, Neon, any of those types of applications and not standard broadcast. They're not tuning in. Now, that is the true revolution that's actually taking place in the industry versus the, the, the evolution, as I mentioned before, is, is, the, is the time shifting. E- even if it's, uh, if it's on demand, if it's sort of replayed, broadcasted content at some more convenient time, um, that people are increasingly not um, governed by the, 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 the actual broadcasters in terms of the time they sit down to watch it, or you can also time shift with, with PVR recording too. Um, but uh, you're quite right. Increasingly, and at a very dramatic rate, um, people are consuming their 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 content um, via some other uh, streamed service. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now, I think the Netflix is pretty much leading the way in that in that space with the fact that they've gone 4K, they've gone HDR, high dynamic range, which is another topic we can talk about later on. Um, but YouTube are now offering the same thing. They've gone 4K and HDR. And right now, you go and buy a normal, any sort of uh, TV today, um, probably has net, Netflix as a built-in application. You yeah. know, and that's that's the future. It's not tuning into a channel; it's choosing the app that you want or the service provider you want to use, uh, rather than the channel. I still think that in today's market, it's not as cut and dry as that because there's still a large amount of content that is regional that um, broadcasters do have so at the moment if I was looking at the likes of um, New Zealand um, Sky still has a major slice of the pie because of their broadcasting of sports so Netflix I it's you can't deny the market share that has shifted to that so 
I'm just really kind of thinking that Netflix is somebody that can influence change because they have been part of the 4K standards um, as long, along with a number of other really big players in this field, such as Dolby Sound. So they've actually been part of this um, specifications development around 4K and HDR rolled into one. Yeah. Um, and I can see that with the likes of the Apple TV that's just released recently, which is 4K now, that allows the delivery to be really easy and the, and the TVs that are playing the content from the Apple TV or directly from the net being HDR and 4K capable. I, I kind of just feel that at the end of the day, it is going to come down to the content and who's got the stake in the content. I agree, and that's where it comes down to when you make a decision, you're not tuning into a channel anymore, you're choosing the service provider for the type of content that you want. And I'm already seeing that as a trend through my kids. You know, they, They've picked up a, someone's vlog channel, and they're now watching that. Um, yeah. But all that was shot in high definition, and they're able to watch it in high definition. Um, and obviously, as a, you can almost treat the vlog as a channel. You know what, there's no, you're not paying Cordia exorbitant fees to to get your channel up and running. And I just uh, know a Channel North, one of my customers, they've just shut down their terrestrial um, um, providing in that locally are in Whangarei and now gone purely web-based, mainly because they're not getting the return on investment that they thought they might have been getting, um, say, from uh, local advertising. So looping back around to the original question of um, standard definition and why is it still part of our delivery format whether that's on a dvd or whether it's broadcast i think broadcast is very separate it's quite and dean i guess explained it really really well i mean it's determined actually by the channel's decision to be either in hd or sd i don't know if that's wholly true i think that um you you've got no choice if a channel can't broadcast in hd but i think that um customers are making a, a, a pointed decision to deliver an sd when they could potentially have an HD deliverable. Have you have you got any thoughts on that, Dean? Yeah, that's a very interesting one um, because it's not just the capacity now or the support from the broadcaster. Um, and this was an insight that was shared with uh, with us from one of our <coughs> agency uh, retail based agencies uh, that was a surprise to me because we'd always tried to determine you know and, and promoted quality, i.e., and also evident by the resolution as being the as being something that we were trying to increase the, the take-up of um, for the, with a view of, of the whole industry and the, and the market. Um, but one of the, one of the insights that he was able to provide but uh, for the, 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 the retailers, it is around not just the perception of the, their, their client, the, their retail uh, client, but the, the actual um, the target audience of, of, that, of that advertiser. In that instance, there was a particular decision, a strategic decision made at the direction of their client, uh, that they wanted their advertising to appear economical. And I'll use that word. And, and, so, and that means both in the creative execution, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the appearance of, of the ad, but also the, the, the quality of its reproduction, i.e. The, the, the resolution. So they had an intentional decision, even though they could send to the, the main broadcasters mentioned um, in HD, that they continued to persevere with, with SD because it wasn't, a, wasn't that HD wasn't a perceived better value, it was an intentional uh, positioning of their, their product for that audience to say that, well, actually, 
our, our, <coughs> our advertising is economically made. So you're not paying too much for the product that you buy from us. We're not spending it on, in, our, in our marketing budget, so to speak. Do the end users perceive that, though? Like, I don't know that as a consumer that I would ever consider and think of that way. You're a pretty smart consumer, though, Chris. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very valid point and something that they would have to be able to determine through with their own market research. But there are other companies, if you think, forgetting resolution, because, I mean, for us, we're looking at it and we're looking for it. But for the customer, it's whether they perceive it or not. And the best example that you gave is it looks, it looks softened um, versus compared because as you say nearly everyone's on an HD at least uh, television so yeah. any upscaling that you're getting on broadcast or um, is, 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 is it appears to us is, is, is softening yeah. um, and so it would be probably subliminal at, at best if you know to, for the, the, the average consumer that, uh, that it was SD content but in fact but their positioning of it to appear, I only use the word economical, it can be, in fact, if you think of some very, very simplistic uh, campaigns that are used, or, you know, in terms of the illustration technique, it's, it's potentially to, to, to drive that message around, um, around economy, around value uh, for, for, for dollar. Um, and, you know, they may therefore carry that through to resolution. Would they, the average consumer notice HD versus SD on those things? Probably not, unless you ask them to compare one spot against another. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, in, in motion graphics, which we thought might have been the, the last uptake of HD because it's just, you know, splash pullouts and, and, and things. Interesting, that's where it's most evident, is in, is in motion graphics. Um, on on television when it is HD because it's sharp and crisp and, and, and a good a good well, edge. Producing the content and being creative is no different from being in SD. It's just you're working with the same tools. It's just the decision to make the the project itself yep. high definition, 4K or whatever yep. flavour. And and your point earlier and 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 Blair reinforced this that everyone's is producing that content in higher resolution than SD. No one nobody is, is producing anything in that format. And and so it's 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 H D minimum or, or more likely um uh for four K going forwards. Um and so as you say, it's a decision to output to a lower resolution, i.e. quality yeah. that is made dependent on its ultimate end use on air broadcast or is it going to, to DVD for, for a for for a market. But um I, I'm surprised to, to hear you you know, I mean uh, your, your your points are very valid about the the the, uh, the persistence of uh, of DVDs. I mean uh, you know I would long since the end of well there was still places you know video Record, uh, video shops, rental places, um, had moved and thought that the, that uh, Blu-ray had completely replaced that as, as a market, as a portable media. Um, but, but clearly, if those businesses still exist, as you pointed earlier, if there's a model in it, that there is still some from prevalence of that. And, uh, and maybe the point is, as we're, I think we're, where we're getting to you know, collectively, is that um, the shift isn't to just getting a, a, another video format. I think even um, Blu-ray will support um, uh, UHD yes. on it. Um, but whether that is, but the players have to, therefore, whether that is ever necessary because of this more, the revolution is for it to be delivered um, IP, uh, um, you know, over, over the internet. Yeah, I, I, get, I mean, I guess with mums and dads and this mums and um, nanas and poppers, from a generational point of view, there'd be people that are tech-savvy that aren't tech-savvy. And those that are not tech-savvy are probably probably, and it's, a, it's a, uh, my own opinion, uh, probably more inclined to be less tech-savvy than those that are happy to be with USB sticks or jumping onto an on-demand service. So, at the, I mean, the argument there would be we're still doing DVDs because there's a generation of people that require, and that's what they understand, and they also like that tactile approach. They can go, yes, I do have my content. Yep. I know where it is. 
um, and they're not having to worry about the data management of that content to be backed up and stored somewhere. You're quite right. I would agree with it. It might almost be, well, it's definitely a generational thing. I own that because I can see it. But this younger generation, your children, my children, are actually, they, they grasp the, 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 the cloud concept. It's, it's up there. It's still mine. But they don't actually, it's shared. And they don't fear it. No. And, and they will socialize it. They will share it out knowing that others can, can see it and it will propagate you know, um, uh, quickly out there in that in that way, um, and it's it's permitted versus the you know the pirate DVD burning if you copy something that you know licensing. So the one that's possibly the the biggest thing that may come to for the provision the the, uh, the extended life of the of the portable media, be it DVD and and, and Blu Blu-ray, it's around the 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 copyright protection because unless you burn it from it, you, you it's very difficult for you to. Uh, to, to duplicate it illegally, so, and so I get to speak. that, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's one argument. I just think that that's a, um, a null and void market. If you can do an online online service using voucher codes or some kind of description, yep. and you know what, if you're charging enough, then if I was a dance school and I contracted a production company to shoot some stuff, and I just said to everyone, I, you know, you'd increase your costs maybe off your um, fees for the students um, for the year and maybe a bit of the ticket costs here and there. So rather than having a proportion of people purchase content, this is my only example really at this stage, you'll end up capturing everyone's paying and contributing towards the actual production of that content. Then as, a, as an organisation, hey guys, it was a great dance school. Here's the copy. It's online. It's for free. Share it with your mum. Share it with your dad. Get on with it. But this concept of, you know, everyone paying for it you know if you said it was free they'll think it's free but they actually have paid for it just somewhere else yeah and further to that point also as you were alluding to chris that you can you can protect online but that's again a generational kind of understanding i think the younger generation we get that you know that you can password protect you can have you know your private facebook groups that you can determine as to who is viewing the content so you are protecting its reproduction that yes. way and the younger generation get that they, as i say there's no fear or intimidation around sharing things and they can determine who, who it's getting whereas a, a generation before i mean you had to look at it to know where it, where it existed and that it was yours for, for example so and so i think it's just going to move that that way um but um yeah, it it's was slow, but we'll get there. Yeah, it's generational. It really comes down to that. And the big uptakes of technology do come down to a generation. Um, when you look at the likes of uh, the record versus a cassette tape versus a CD, these are generational uptakes. So we had the MIDI disc, you know, it didn't, it didn't adapt. Uh, get adopted because generationally the, the thing that did was the mp3 and that was a whole revolution in itself so the biggest revolution that we've had is online i don't think anybody can um argue against that so there is a generation that is just really not secure or comfortable with it and i have this with my own parents where i'm sharing photos and trying to make it as simple as possible and even what's perceived as the most simplest of processes is still a scary daunting process for them to access something where they would much rather physically get a box of photos yes yeah still <laughs> so um Really, it's what solutions are coming out that are making it going to make it even easier for that generation, but also everyone else, because the easier content is accessible, and the more places that you can then 
send it. That's really a big key part of it. I'm thinking of the likes of um, MediaZilla is one example I have seen myself where you can upload the content, make an interactive menu, and then share it to social media groups or via email so that everyone has access to the content, whether it's password protected or not. And this also allows you to then turn that into a DVD or a Blu-ray, which you can burn and send on to people. As you were talking, Chris, um, monetization of these, I think that's a really key one. It's um, the expense of the production up front versus somebody paying for it down the end. I'm not sure what the... Um, what the golden ticket to this is, but I can almost see like a, with Vimeo where you have a tip jar or Patreon, you know, people then contributing because they enjoyed it. Possibly that's one way where, um, you know, you're not forcing them to do it. You're giving them a, um, a a personal choice. And possibly you, um, you may, you may find that that actually gets a lot more money than if you had a set $5 fee for a, DVD burn. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, it's, it's an idea. It's an idea. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I've looked at this, and I yet, when, until you mentioned um, that, Mozilla. yeah, until you mentioned that, I hadn't actually come up with a solution to the problem. So right now, I've identified the problem, but where do we go? What is the future? I think the future is a combination of DVDs, of Blu-rays, of USB, and because why? Because it is a generational issue. And as people become more savvy, as they move through the generations, then the adoption part of it will obviously um, happen at the same time. So I'm going to loop back. I mucked up the name of that just then. It's MediaZilla. What I really liked about this service is that you can have MediaZilla on an Apple TV. And Apple TV has just announced that they're 4K with the latest products. So for $300 New Zealand, um, I don't have the US price, for $300 you can set up an app and you can teach your grandparents how to navigate and watch the latest videos on a 4K TV, HDR, without really too much hassle. And I think that that's the real point, is it's um, the ease of accessing the content. That, I think, is a lot more exciting than, say, having um, ways of distributing dvds and blu-ray which i think is how the company has grown because it's almost then you're enabling that audience to move on from that technology which is holding the visual experience back which is really the main point of it the visual experience yes yeah totally so i'm thinking um that would definitely be my pick if you're considering how to transition somebody in your life who's having difficulty (laughs) with it I'm just um, interested to know, as an industry now, are we going to move to 4K at the same speed that we've moved to HD? And I think that if it was true through traditional broadcast, possibly. But with it really the online delivery, I feel like there's going to be a speeding up. And so I don't think we can be as complacent knowing that we've got a bit of time to sort this out. What are your thoughts, Dean? Yeah, look, I share that exactly the same view. I think previously there was a, a reliance of delivering content through through 
through broadcast, where you where you're push, pushing out and you're acquiring, you're you're acquiring um, satellite bandwidth or, or or even terrestrial signal out to uh, to reach your, your your audience, and therefore we were also therefore dependent, as we touched on, on the on those broadcasters uh, having a model where they're prepared to invest with the with the with the new technology, etc., and then and then you know commercialising that with 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 the selling of it. So. The difference being now there is a lot more different vehicles to what we call deliver. So there is a point of difference now that's at least in our thinking and in our language between distribution and delivery. So where we're more moving towards is that, in fact, d- delivery. And delivery can be pull where you pull the content down versus pushing it, which is historically what would be the case. So whilst we were kind of beholden to, to the broadcasters in terms of for the commercial, this is commercial advertising primarily, uh, waiting for them to up gear and then be starting to support it and then we can sort of move along because as we mentioned, you know, the agencies and production, post-production had already moved HD probably, you know, five, ten years uh, prior to the, the to the broadcasters inviting commercial content that, that way. In this case... It's there, we will be looking at delivery mechanisms and delivery avenues that aren't reliant on on that broadcast push, and therefore and, and waiting for them. So they will almost get the hurry up, I think, um, likely because the industry will actually charge ahead ahead of it using these these mediums as you touched on um, already. Yeah. Um, so I can absolutely see that happening, and we already know that from our agencies and post production clients uh, and production clients that they are starting to gear up as well into 4k into 4k equipment Um, so that's what we're expecting to see yeah some great points there and you're spot on um hd was in production for a long long time and we have hd masters that go right back and um and that allowed us to reconform those hd contents for the campaigns that really had that gravity and that longevity now we're in a situation where 4K is a workflow that we're all very much um, have in production. And the capturing devices are actually 6K or 8K. And the, and the cameras that are being used at the higher end production have had the capabilities of being remastered into HDR for quite a yes. long time now too. So we're in the same area of that switch to HD as we are now in ultra high definition and that we've had a lot of content that has, that is capable of moving over. I think that, um, what's, what I personally have seen from the industry is that it was never really about the 2K to Ultra HD with the extra pixels that was going to make a change. And I think that that's why it's really important that the new standard was HDR as well. Yeah, so rather yeah. than chasing resolution, it really is what just what we've been doing. And obviously with HDR and SDR, what we've actually based our um, quality of our pixels on our, um, on our current 4K and HD TVs was based upon an SDR or you know, a standard definition colour standard. Um, and so obviously the industry, in, in particular Dolby, sort of fronted this and basically have come up with um, high dynamic range. So we're not chasing resolution, we're chasing better quality pixels, more... Uh, depth in terms of colour more highlights showing through without being blown out and our TVs now can do that so what what used to look like great TV in HD if you convert that same show from HDR standard standard dynamic range to HDR it looks just stunning and um, there's actually a vendor now that's actually done just that through 
uh, sorry, AGA have teamed up with a company, I, can't, I think it's Colorfront, where they can take an HDR f- um, f- uh, signal and convert that into HDR. And there's a f- couple of key things that sort of excite me for the future of the industry in that the standard will recognize the delivery device's capabilities. So if a TV set is only SDR compliant, it will down-convert it to an SDR. If it can display the HDR, the high dynamic range, it will do so. But what's really exciting is the race for the nits. <laughs> so, yes, yes. You know, the goal was 10,000 nits Luma. But it's a technology now- <laughs> thing as well because you've got OLED, you've got QLED, and you've got LCD, and they're all... You know, they're all limited based upon the technology. LCD yep. can get higher, OLED not as far, and I think QLED's a bit like the OLED, but probably a bit better. So, And I think that when it comes down to it, you have to think about the experience. With these larger dynamic range, in the image, you will see into the highlights. So looking at the sun, you're not going to have all these blown out whites. You're going to have details going into light bulbs and things like that. And then it's a creative choice of what you're showing in your content at the moment i think there's a lot of uh monitors that can definitely do a thousand nits and are going into the the higher range so a nit is just basically a luminance measurement and what what's the standard dynamic range so most uh, 100 uh, mo- nits? so yeah it's 100 nits for most tvs yeah. and we've then had lg come through with i think it's about 600 nits with the mm-hmm. oled tvs Panasonic had their 4K HDR TVs in LCD as well as Sony, and they went up to like a thousand nits. Mm-hmm. Um, however, both those vendors have just come on board to the OLED platform and offering both technologies technologies in HDR depending on what you want. Why? Because blacks on OLED are generally better, um, but they don't go as I guess bright, and that's the advantage of LCD. They get brighter, but the detail in the darks aren't retained as well. Look, I think this, Sorry. Is, this is looping back to your earlier discussion. In fact, the question was asked by you, Chris, you know, does the consumer notice it? When we're talking just uh, pixels and resolutions, we're just talking about the amount of data that's being able to be displayed. So generally the answer is, as I said, at best subliminal, and yes. it's a blurriness. But now we're talking sort of both um, uh, recognition and perception and therefore value for, 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 for advertisers or any other commercialization of it is, uh, is around the, the, the color, the perception, the content. In other words, what more that those pixels are in fact being able to display. And your point, which you can see more into the highlights and more into the shadows and, and a greater you know, color range. So I think you're quite right. It's going to go hand in hand. That, this will actually drive it because it has, it has a recognizable benefit um, and, and something that, that the, the, the average person will see literally see um, versus just getting more more pixels I think if the content creators are trying to work out you know what do we do and how do we shoot this I think in today's age if you've got the access to it you'd just choose to shoot 4k HDR by all means deliver as SDR 4k and SDR HD and when the time is right and the platform that you want to um, distribute your content on is available then by all means provide the master of an HDR version yeah, I totally agree that knowing that you've got it captured and that you can access it, but also not jumping in and putting too much effort in. I'll be really brutally honest. You can put a lot of time, energy, research into something that you just don't need the need for at the moment. So my philosophy is always very much be aware, but like be aware of when it's going to have real value to implement it as well. Yes, if it's content that's relevant for today, but in five years' time, it's a product or a service that's no longer around. Clearly, you're not going to want to reuse that. So there's probably certain campaigns that you might just make a conscious decision that you're going to go, look, 
we only need HD, so let's just shoot HD because there's no real need to do any higher and we're not actually worried about doing HDR. It's always really exciting to see the developments of the industry. It's also really hard for us who are so attuned to the quality cues to not be a little bit frustrated when we see the dumbing down of it. Looping right back, can this be perceived by an audience that there's a subconscious lessening of image quality as a marketing use? Well, it's why we work so hard to add all those little touches of quality back into it. A lot of people would argue that they'll never notice it. And subconsciously, as professionals, we're always looking to add things that the audience might not be able to verbalize, but it adds impact. So sort of looking at both ends of the scale of that one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for coming into the studio and discussing this. I think um, I'm really excited honestly to see where the industry goes and developments like this are massive so maybe we'll have a catch up in a year and see how far along we are well it'll be interesting to see like the audience that does listen to the podcast is whether uh, from a a distribution point of view away from not necessarily broadcast but i guess um dvds and blu-rays and so forth is whether they've got any insight or thought on what might be a better uh, platform for distributing and uh, monetizing content yeah, yeah look it's going to it is going to be interesting and i think the next 12 18 months are going to be sort of crucial in, in this mix and uh, and i think even the term broadcasters for the media owners are starting to change because they're no longer just just pushing out and even from a from a business point of view for, for ours whilst that was our how we came to being was around the the distribution of content uh, to to the the media owners, uh, primarily you know broadcasters we touched on, our our whole platform has, has shifted not dissimilar to what you're touching on that uh, going going forwards that you would ingest or you'd supply to us the best possible master at whatever you've got, and then our our system provides the the the, the, the transcoding to the the various types and kinds of to which you can then control the share. Um, and it can be either in the collaborative space, you know, and so it might never, we see our own business as, as not, not ever ignoring what we're currently calling broadcasters because they're so crucial in their place that they have. Um, but even it's, it's starting to incorporate the, the, more, the, the more social aspects, the, 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 the pull providers, the streaming uh, content. And we're, we're having to do that now in anticipation. So, our, you know, our is this for the likes of TVNZ's on-demand services where you get content that is web-based orientated, however, still comes through AdWorks for the distribution? AdStream, but yeah, that's quite right. They do that now. So that's already available, but even beyond the video on-demand. On I mean, obviously, Netflix is a different commercialization model because it doesn't have TV, uh, you know, TV. TV commercial spots in, inserted into it, um, but uh, you know other streamed material is increasingly including your games um, on your things that is that is being served up in, in some manner. So we see our our whole direction is having to change, and, and with that is an opportunity, and that opportunity is to improve the the, the the quality. So we have the and that one's a good example that you had. We'll often get the the, the question with people saying, "Look, I'm I'm just going to do an on demand uh, provider, an on demand site. So can I just give you?" an MP4 um, and of X amount of resolution. We go, well, actually, no, we want to start with the best possible broadcast master so that we can purpose it um, on, on the fly specifically and you can re- reuse it if it ever goes on air and, and similar down. So ultimately, where we want to get to is, is to be taking in the master that we would absorb or ingest, as we call it, into our system would be your 
your 4K, you know, HDR, and then you purpose it, well, now I want it to go there, whether it be a broadcast, and now I want to go to social media, and the system kind of takes care of it. Not dissimilar to what you're saying for the consumer use with the, with the, with the uh, company that you provided, but our platform is already in, in that direction. And we're not going to be alone in, the, in that space. And so you, everything you've, you've touched on, we, you know, it's, it's, it's already underway. It's how fast that people can monetize it to, to take it up. Yeah. You, you touched on a really key point there, is about having the best quality master and then distributing it to the different platforms and something that I find myself, if you have a master that you're sending to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, they all have different compressions and algorithms. So the, the best way that you can handle it is give it the best file possible, knowing that there is going to be a compression applied to it, some more than others. Having the ability to upload one file to a service and then have it distribute it to the best possible quality to each of these different online deliverables. Those who are creating the content, it's a really desirable thing to have. So It's actually quite interesting because you think of YouTube and if I made a content and I thought, man, it looked amazing, I encoded my file into H.264 but then uploaded it to YouTube, it goes through further compression. And you're sitting here, why can Vivo's music channel look so amazing and the content that I've uploaded looks soft and smudgy again? Yeah. Even though I shot in high definition and it's meant to be high definition. That's right. Because you know, beyond the, the resolution, I mean, a big thing, there's, there's two parts to that. One is compression, such as H.264 in terms of ultimate delivery, delivered content. And then there is bit rate as well. And that's about how much data is, is actually put down. So you've got all these great pixels, you've got this great dynamic range, but how much data is going to be transported via whatever method over any given period of time? Because that sort of also... So yep. sort of um, diverting off, but the, 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 the same uh, topics are interrelated and that's that's our point and all I can say in terms of from the from the com- television com- or advertising and marketing it's not just TVCs because it's not just about television you know in terms of our platform and what you are uh, requesting is a need you know one best quality master and then purpose it on the on the fly dynamically all I can say is you know watch this space because um, you know it, it is having to happen yeah. and, and it is yeah. with us too. Excellent. Well, thank you both again for coming on the show today. Chris, pleasure to have you, and thank you for raising this topic. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And Dean, thank you so much for joining us on the Pro Video Podcast. Uh, Pleasure, Blair. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Chris. You too, mate. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks, everybody else, for listening. I'd really, really love for you to click the subscribe button on your podcatcher of choice. It helps so much. And if you could leave a rating or review, that would be amazing as well. You can also join us on the Facebook group, Pro Video Podcast, Twitter account, Pro Video Podcast, and you can join the Slack group. All of those links and more will be on the show notes. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening and catch you next time. Bye. Bye.